Hello people, welcome to another episode of the Poet Box series. I'm currently recording in school and today I'll be talking with Angela Omoru. So Angela Omoru is a writer. Today I'm mixing it up a bit. She isn't necessarily a poet but then she's she considers herself more of a writer than a poet. So we'll be talking with Angela today and getting to know more about her. Hi Aisha, I'm doing really, really good. I hope you're doing fine too. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Welcome to the Poet Box series. So typically what we do is that we read um, your bio and then we get to ask you questions about yourself, about your work. So I think I can proceed with reading your bio. So Angela is a writer, content creator, development worker and media and communication strategist. She's passionate about positively influencing the African narrative, and this fuels her work as an essayist, podcaster, and storyteller. She has a background in broadcasting, news reporting, and production. She began her podcast in 2019 called Angie's Two Kobos to discuss pertinent social issues from a millennial perspective. On Pen Profile, she writes research topics that vary from mental health domestic violence, gaps in journalism, to climate change. Recently, she began contributing to Prime Progress as well, formerly Progress Clock, focusing on solutions journalism. She is also the author of Dungeons and Dark Places, a collection of 12 short stories. She has been shortlisted for the Nigerian Students' Poetry Prize and received a high recommendation for her short story, Journeys by the Stratford-upon-Avon Literary Festival in the United Kingdom. Her work has also been published in Writerspace Africa, a Pan-African online magazine. Enthusiastic about sustainable development, she's interested in education, good governance, and mental health. She's a World Literacy Ambassador 2020 class and an Atlas Core Scholar. Wow, this is quite an impressive bio. Okay, so this brings me to the first question. What was your childhood like concerning literature and reading, broadcasting, all of the work that you do today? Was it a big part of your childhood or was it something that you found and discovered later on? Okay, so it's very interesting that you're asking me this question. I think that's a question I've not really gotten from anyone before, uh, asking about my childhood in relation to the work that I currently do. So um, by and large, I've always been a huge reader. I've always had a thing for words. I think words are the most powerful things on the surface of the earth because with words you can form, you can create, you can make, you can mar. So I've always been a fan of the written word. So I remember from like primary one, whenever I go my uh, textbooks, I don't know if you recall, but then they would call, they would call readers like your English textbook that had stories in them. Once I got them, even before the um, term started, I would have read all the stories in the book because I just enjoyed the written word so much and I enjoyed telling stories. So by the time I was nine, I joined uh, the drama group in my church. So I was kind of like a little superstar in church. I used to act drama, dramas, and um, uh, at a point I even considered pursuing a career in that professionally. But, well, I I didn't really go very far with that because I also knew that I 
I wanted to be on TV, but around uh, journalism, mass comm, broadcasting. So from my childhood, I've always had the thing for the written word. I've always had the thing for TV. I've always loved watching movies. I've, I, I just, I've just had a thing for the media from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, I could also add to that response and say that um, I started writing from very early on. I started writing um, plays, like uh, stage plays, which, as I recall, they're not actually very good. But I said writing stage plays and then I transcended into stories. And um, by secondary school, like primary six, Justice One, Justice Two, I was just a lover of story writing and um, I dabbled into a bit of poetry. But I like to think I'm more of a prosaic writer. I can say we have something in common because I also used to read all the stories in my English textbooks even before we started reading them. I must have read everything before the school school term began or before we had even reached any of the stories yet. Um, so um, would you say all this reading helped you um, in becoming who you are today was there any particular book or particular person that inspired you to do the kind of work that you do especially when it comes to your um communication and media strategy work and your development work definitely i would definitely say that all that reading has influenced uh me the kind of person i am because you see the thing is there's a way (laughs) books like transports you to a different world. It immerses you in the minds of the characters, minds of even the writers. So it just exposes you. It's like you'll be able to teleport. You're here, seated in your room, but somehow you're in the United Kingdom in the 19th century if you're, or the 18th century if you're reading something from by Jane Austen, for example. So definitely uh, books open up the mind. They expose you to a lot of things. And there is nobody who's a reader who doesn't have like a very broad sense of the world in a manner of speaking. As for influence, uh, I know that I've always shared a love for literature with my father. Uh, I am okay, I, I'm also an editor, I'm also a copy, ed, copy editor. And that is one of the things I know that he used to do very, very well. And he just, in, he just made, uh, develop, helped me develop a love for language generally speaking now not necessarily writing but the love for for the english language so many times um we could be watching tv together as a family and then maybe somebody would say something on tv and my dad would be like oh did you hear that is, is that correct is the person use that word properly and i remember there's so many times that uh there i can even recall that it was at this point in time i learned certain words like words like perambulate or vacillate i know i learned them from my dad i can remember the circumstance around me learning them more so i remember that he encouraged me to have a vocabulary book where i would write down the new words i was learning and find out the meaning so by and large yes my dad had heavy influence in me on me when it comes to an appreciation for language and appreciation for literature and the written word um, as a whole he was a huge fan of uh, James Hadley Chase and it's something I got from him as well but then uh, the reason I even got into writing at first I would always tell people is okay so I, I don't have a knack for the sciences 
not that if I put my mind to it, I wouldn't do good at it, but it just wasn't what I was passionate about. I'd always had love for the art. So I remember when I was a teenager, because I'm this kind of person that just wants to, oh, what can I do for the world? What, how can I influence the world? And I remember asking myself that, oh, usually the scientists are the ones who, you know, leave legacies behind, be it one invention or the other, one discovery. And oops, I'm not interested in the sciences. So what legacy am I going to leave behind? And I remember this moment of epiphany that just hit me. Say I was about maybe 13, uh, 12, 13. And I said, you know what? If I actually like took writing seriously, I could leave a legacy behind and the words I would write would stay beyond me. So that was how I started taking writing very seriously because for me, it was about leaving a legacy. Then interestingly, I had an interest in the media. So I went on and studied mass communication at Ahmad Bello University. Then as, we, as it would happen uh, from my IT, I did uh, an internship here and there. And, you know, I started picking up a few things, especially in radio. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is something I really want to do. Then in 2019, I dabbled into the development sector, working in an education education based nonprofit organization. And I realized, you know what? My my experience, my background in the media, my skill set can actually intersect with my interest in making impact around development. So how about I take my skills in media and communications and keep honing it, keep developing it and see how I can use that skill to actually do something much bigger than me. And so that was how I, you know, I developed an interest in media and communications, especially for the development world. So even currently, I'm working as um, with Jealous Development Initiatives, uh, and I'm still bringing in my experience in media and communications. This doesn't mean I'm leaving radio or broadcast or rather the media as a whole, but I'm now widening my horizons to include communications overall in, uh, and basically development communication. So this is really really nice and interesting it's really cool that you learned so much from your dad and i think it's something that's important for people to have like this role model or this person that introduces them into um into something that they're passionate about so it's really cool that you had all of that influence and support from your from your dad um so so far how has the whole um writing journey been how has um writing and yeah generally just writing generally how has it been so far ah writing journey yeah i don't know it's it's been i i I, for lack of a better word interesting i feel like i'm using that word a lot in this interview but it's been a very interesting journey because I keep learning so much. I keep, I'm also discovering so much more about myself. So I started out with uh, prose, as I mentioned, and I did a bit of poetry. I have some poems I've written, but I don't know. I've always been like, oh, I'm not really a poet at heart because I don't know. I like to, I like to paint pictures with words. I like to just flow with the words, but with poetry, you always have that economy of words that you, know, you just have to work within certain confines and boundaries and sometimes I find it little too limiting so I, I, I respect 
the ones, the people that are writers, that are poets through and through. I doff my heart, <laughs> my heart at them. They're doing really good. So I've always, I started out with uh, prose and then I, uh, I began writing um, like content for blogs, um, handling people's social media, kind of, create, generating content basically. And so I still realizing that there's actually a whole lot more to writing. I still realizing that it's not just, okay, rather you write poetry or you write prose. I said learning um, how to write research articles as well. And from there, it morphed into essay writing. And I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it because I'm in that phase where I'm doing some uh, thought leadership sounds too serious, but something like that, you know, I'm drawing attention to certain t- topics that I think are very, very important. In fact, currently I'm working on an article on um, the mental health of social workers because, I, as I, um, I mentioned before, I'm very big on mental health. And I was, I was just thinking, I was having a conversation with somebody who's a social worker, and she was saying that she had, because of her work, the nature of her work, she had been exposed to so many gruesome stories, and somehow they just have, been implanted in there in her head and it's affecting her mental health and it just got me thinking wait so we're thinking about mental health and it's like a buzzword right now everybody's talking about mental health but are we also thinking about the people that are in the line of fire like clergy um police officers lawyers doctors social workers so that's that's what in an article i'm writing i'm working on right now so basically what i'm saying is that my writing journey has grown it has made me go into other forms. I've done ghost writing. Gosh, you don't want to get me to get started on my ghost writing days. Not that I still don't ghost write. I still do that. But you know, there's this terrible, terrible appreciation for uh, creatives in Nigeria. I mean, I've had the, I, uh, I don't want to use certain words, but the saddest, yeah, let me say the saddest offers from people. I've had people that tell me, you know what, I want you to write five or five to seven three thousand articles per week and you know what i'm going to give you maybe like 700 naira for each one and i'm like are you serious right now so you're talk- asking for long form articles that i've had to research on and that is what you're offering me so by and large my writing has grown uh I've, it has exposed me to so much I've written articles on different topics that I know I wouldn't have ever had to, like cryptocurrency, American banking, um, taking a vacation in Thailand. So in the end, my writing journey has literally taken me around on a journey. So I'm at this point where I'm just exploring and seeing see, trying to see where else it takes me i don't write as often as i used to especially creative writing but um because life is also happening to me right now and it's something i'm very sad about very sad about because i see some of my friends that we used to write as when we set out together and you're doing really good and i'm so proud of them but at the same time I'm like gosh angela you need to go back to your roots go back to the creative writing uh, point of your life but life is also happening because the whole adulting thing <laughs> is happening and so uh, that's that's where I am um 
I I think um your work or let me say your book is quite interesting. I read it, I reviewed it, and it it was really nice. I I really liked a lot of the poems. Now shifting a little bit to editing, how did you get into editing works? How did you um how did you become a freelance editor? Uh, in addition, I published my collection of short stories um, of Dungeons and Dark Places in 2020, no, sorry, in 2019, pardon me, on Okada Books. And it was basically um, just different books, different stories I had written before, and I just, I, I worked on some of them, I edited them and put them together and put them out there because, it, and that was a huge one for me it was a huge leap of faith because you know i don't think there's any writer out there that doesn't keep second guessing himself or herself and like oh my god am i ready am i ready am i ready some of them i had submitted before and i've gotten a million and one rejections there is no writer i that is serious about writing that i don't think has ever gotten a rejection before it comes with the job so i'd gotten a few rejections on some of those stories but i was like you know what i'm going to put this out myself like create my own platform do it for on my on my own on my own terms and thank god for okada books so i put out um the collection of short stories 12 short stories and funny enough i have gone back and i I am still till this moment asking myself if i did the right thing by putting it out there and i remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who's also a writer and, and an editor and she said, you know what, there's no writer that doesn't keep second guessing himself or herself, even after the work is out there. So Angela, you can't really help this feeling, but you just have to keep growing. The truth is that you're also growing. So maybe you could look back at what you put out two years ago and look at it and like, eh, I shouldn't have. But it's 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 a function of growth. It's evidence of growth. So maybe uh, when I decide to put out something again, it's going to be way better than what I put out the last time. That's really great, Angie. Um, so what was the process like for you after it got published? Was it hard for you to publish it? Was it hard for you to um, let go of the stories that you had worked so much on and tried to make sure that they came out really nice? Or was it just easy for you to just, okay, I'm, I'm going to sell these books now and then let them go? The post-publishing process came with its own challenges as well. So after the book was done and then came the marketing and this is one of the hardest parts of self-publishing because you're bearing the entire risk and the onus is on you to get the word out about your book. So that was a tough, it was tough. Also, letting go of the stories, yeah, that was also tough because there's, it leaves you vulnerable. I believe that when a writer publishes anything it's like a piece of yourself that you're opening up to the world to see and it just leaves you open to criticism it opens you up and it leaves you vulnerable so i actually think that every piece of work that an artist of any kind publishes or puts out there for the public to see is a piece of himself or herself that the person is opening up and saying okay yeah Here's another side of me that you get to see. So it, it wasn't a very, it wasn't very easy to let go of the stories, as you say. It wasn't. No. How important do you think um, promoting the arts is in northern Nigeria? 
promoting the arts in the in northern Nigeria is expedient, yeah, if you ask me. And I'm actually very, very impressed to see how much it's catching on in northern Nigeria right now. Uh, when I was a teenager, I don't even remember. I couldn't even call so many northern writers off the top of my head. And now I see many more young voices springing up here and there. And I'll have to say that platforms like the Kaduna Arts and Books Festival and the Abuja Literary Society, these are platforms that are making it easier for more and more young northern voices to spring up. There's that platform that, for expression. So it's very important because for the longest time, northern Nigeria has been seen as by other parts of Nigeria as the people that are not very enlightened. And while some statistics, of course, would show that literacy levels are low in northern Nigeria, there are actually other narratives about northern Nigeria that are there that that are not being pushed out as much as that narrative. So the stereotypes, I believe, are evolving because when we have more artists being promoted from northern Nigeria, it also adds to the quality of intellectualism coming from this part of the country. And it also makes... Art is like a bridge builder, basically. So we've always known that the southern part of Nigeria is very artistic. And now if northern Naimona, the northern voices are coming up, then what happens is that bridges are being built. And I'm also happy because I see more and more northern um, artists, northern writers, northern whatever, whatever art form people, any other art form people are practicing in northern Nigeria. I see some of them being invited for the festivals that we're having down south and in the west. And I'm pleased by that because bridges are being built. And the more communication, the more exposure that we have on both sides of the divide, what happens? The more peace is being built. So sometimes we don't really think of the link between something as simple as um, hosting. Of Sometimes we don't really think of how something as simple as hosting a literary festival could actually build bridges or promote peace. So through exchange of views, through cultural exchanges, through art exchanges like that, you know, more conversations are being had, more understanding is coming to the fore. So for me, I think that's one of the most important reasons to promote art in northern Nigeria. When did you decide to go into media and broadcasting? I'm assuming you didn't start with that. I actually think that from the onset, I kind of always envisioned myself doing work around the media. I didn't see that I would end up in the development space. That one came as a result of growth and understanding certain things uh, around in the way the world works. So that one was something I came on later on. But then seeing myself in the media and all of that, oh yes, I had always pictured myself there. In fact, as a child, I used to sit down and imagine how I would be interviewed. I I had a notebook. I should probably look for that notebook. <laughs> I had a notebook in which I wrote down the um, interviews, interview questions and the answers that I had for them. And sometimes I'll sit in front of, of the mirror and practice. 
answering the interview question. So, yeah. We're shortlisted for the NSPP. What was that like? And how did you come to writing poetry? Because I'm sure, like, from what you've told us, you're typically a prose writer. Being shortlisted for the Nigerian Students Poetry Prize, that happened in... If I'm not mistaken, 2015 or 2016. And it was really nice because, okay, I, I mentioned that I don't really see myself as a poet. So I saw the when the call for submissions came out and I was like, oh, okay, let me just try this out. And I wrote something. I remember, I remember the piece I wrote. Uh, it's called With Love from the Streets. Oh no, with love from the slums, sorry. With love from the slums. And I wrote that piece. Um, it was kind of like a description of um, Al-Majri, like a, poet, a poem written from the point of view of uh, an Al-Majri boy or an Al-Majri girl. And I sent it in and interestingly, I got an email that had been shortlisted. And I remember that they even invited me to come for the or like official unveiling of the book in Enugu and then I was schooling in Zaria and I remember telling my friend that see this is something I really want to do I really want to go and I traveled all the way to Enugu state if I, I spoke to a friend of mine because I didn't have anywhere to stay in Enugu I didn't know anyone living in Enugu state I spoke to a friend she helped me talk to her sister who was schooling in Enugu then and she hosted me I traveled all the way to Enugu. I went for the unveiling. I went for the unveiling of the um, book. And yeah, it was a very nice experience. I met a few people then that were just as awesome. And yeah. So as for how I started writing poetry, when I I start writing a piece, I don't exactly say okay this one has to be poetry or i'm going to write poetry i'm going to write prose it just comes so i already have an idea of the subject matter and then the subjects more often than not tells me okay this is the form i should take that probably sounds weird but the 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 subject matter kind of determines how it should be but lately i've like i mentioned before i've been doing more of prose i have not written poetry in a very long time more than creative writing most of your work uh, um like you mentioned is journalistic how does this influence your writing well um yes i do beyond i do more creative writing i also do journalistic writing and um i don't know if i would say that my journalistic writing effects influences my creative writing per se because um it depends on the zone I'm in, you know, the headspace I'm in. So, of course, I know I could be in a headspace where I'm like, okay, I want to write a story, purely fictional, and, you know, just want to pour out my emotions about a particular subject matter. And when I want to write a journalistic piece, you see me doing all the research and everything. So I'm not sure if one influences the other, but I do know that from a principle, value point of view, I'm always very big on saying something with my stories whether it's creative or not i'm very big on just influencing and 
and drawing light to something that a lot of people might not necessarily be thinking of before, like before they read my work. So I always attach that significance to what I am doing, whatever I'm writing, whether it's fiction or not. So, yeah. People ask this, but as someone who does both um, journalistic writing and creative writing, do you think that writing journalistic pieces hinders creativity in any way? Well, if you look at the way journalism is in Nigeria right now, a lot of journalists are not actually creative. I know it's it's sad to think of it, but very few journalists actually realize that there's a way to marry creativity in the way you write your reports and the angles that you take and the perspectives that you put forward. Very few journalists do that in Nigeria. But technically speaking, Writing a journalistic piece should not hinder your creativity because there's always a way you can play with your words. There's always a way you can play with the flow, with the narration, with the angle. There's so many ways to go about it. So the fact that you're writing something that is real, uh, I'm not saying real, non-fictional, shouldn't hinder your creativity. But more often than not, I think it's even part of a larger problem. I don't think it's about the field of journalism alone. It's a part of a larger problem where in Nigeria, our educational system doesn't exactly promote creativity. It doesn't really promote critical thinking. So what happens is you just tell people, oh, when you're writing a journalistic piece, you go with the five W's and H. And you have people that are just churning out stories that are boring uh one-sided unbalanced and just focused on who said it when did the person say it where did the person say it and it's so boring and just devoid of inspiration so yeah i think it's part of a much larger problem so i don't think it's journalism as a field that is stopping people or our journalists from being creative there are actually ways to marry the two there are ways to just explore on on a piece of paper and a lot of journalists are not exploring in Nigeria and it's part of a much larger problem. I uh, thank you so much Angela for joining us. It's been great having you here. Hope to have you some other time. Maybe to like a supplementary episode or something. Thank you so much Aisha for the opportunity to do this. I've actually enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. And interestingly, most of your questions got me to, you know, really um, introspect. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And yeah, I look forward to doing this again. If you would have me, thank you so much. And this brings me to the end of today's episode. Join us next time where we'll be talking to more of your favorite poets and spoken word artists. Bye.